guys, this is Debbie, and welcome back to my podcast, Candle in a Dark Room. Today, I have a close friend of mine. Her name is Michelle McManus, known on Instagram for her page, Baby Be Brave. She is 32. She was born in Romania, but was adopted at age two and grew up in Philadelphia. We met on Instagram about a year or so ago and have become great friends since. I wanted her on here today to talk about her story. This girl has been through some stuff, and I felt like it was just really important for her to share. She's a product of rape by her biological mother, and even though she was adopted by a great and loving family, she has dealt with trauma, PTSD, self-bullying, feelings of abandonment and rejection, as well as never feeling good enough. Today, I want her to be on here to talk about how she dealt with all of that and how she got to where she is today. In addition, she will be sharing a personal traumatic experience that she has never spoken about until now. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. So like I said, me and Michelle met on Instagram and we just kind of clicked right away, just over talking, like over text and messaging. And then we started doing FaceTimes and now I feel like I know her. My husband keeps asking, like, who are you talking to for an hour? <laughs> like, oh, just my friend Michelle who lives in Philadelphia. <laughs> like across Plus I've stalked your page too. So <laughs> Same. I was like, That's I need okay. to be friends with this girl. She's amazing. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for wanting to be on the podcast and sharing your story today. Um, I think that I think that this type of story is very common with the fact that people go through adoption, traumatic adoptions, like something like you've been through. And there's so many people out there that deal with it and deal with that feeling of rejection. I wasn't even adopted and I felt I felt those feelings at some point in my life. And so feeling, you know, as your biological parents, not technically like giving you away and not wanting you anymore, like that's hard. That's hard to swallow. And that's, I, I can't imagine the feelings that that brings up. Um, that's, you know, yeah. this is one story that I can't relate to. And so I think it's, I, I'm super excited to have you on to share your experience. So why don't you go ahead and start um, just from the beginning of kind of how you grew up and all that happened. And then we'll go from there. Okay. So um, I was born in Romania in 1988. Um, yes, I am the product of rape. Um, so Romania is a very poor country. So it was a combination between um, my birth mother not being able to afford to um, to raise me. Um, of course, you know, the, the traumatic event that happened to her being raped and I was the result of that. And right. then at the same time, her relationship with her mother uh, went very sour and she ended up getting kicked out of her house and had to live oh, with her wow. grandmother. And how old so was she So just all time? that together. Um, she was 23. Okay, so she was still pretty So even though she was an adult, it was just, I guess, just a, you know, a different culture different environment an adult but um, not still not old enough to like raise a course, child right. okay exactly um so I guess just everything you know together it just was too much for her right. so after I was born I was put into an orphanage until I was two years old and then I was adopted from a wonderful wonderful family from uh, Philadelphia um you know I was brought up I was very I wasn't spoiled, but I was always made sure like my parents took care of me. They gave mm-hmm. me what I needed. Um, they gave me the love I needed. Um, that was never the issue. Um, until I was about eight years old is when my adoptive father um, drove me down to the Bay Area near our shore house and you know, told me that um, I'm adopted. And I didn't really know what that meant, of course. And oh, so you never knew, like they never told you from the beginning. They didn't tell you, oh, no, okay, I didn't know that. No, okay. they sprung that right on me. They, just um, randomly, he just like told you in random. the car. Well, a lot of people from our school kept telling him, like from like the school, from the neighborhood, saying like you need to tell her before she finds out from like another child mm-hmm. or a parent of the school. So, um, okay. and my mom was just my mom's a very emotional person, so I think she just couldn't handle that conversation. So, so my dad did tell me. Oh, okay. Um. So when I asked him what adoption was and everything, he just like basically told me that, um. I wasn't born, or I wasn't, I guess, I forget how he put it, honestly. A lot of it was, like, a lot, like, cloudy for me. But the only thing I remember saying was, you mean my mom's not my real mom. Mm. And, you know, it sounds so horrible to say that now. But, you know, I was eight. I didn't know anything. But, and, I mean, technically, that's, that, that is the truth, unfortunately. Yeah, she's your mother. Right. Uh, and loves you, like, the same. But the, as a child, I can only imagine being, like, wait, that's not my mom who I've been calling mom exactly. like, my whole life. Like I, cause you know, obviously you grow up with watching movies and hearing like, 
your mom will held you in her belly and this and that. So yeah, I can, I can only imagine like that. Feeling Actually, like, I didn't. You didn't what? So my, my parents don't never really talked about, I don't remember a lot of my childhood. Oh, and that, I've that makes tried sense one, Yeah. A lot of like, a lot of my childhood is just completely blank. Like I don't remember Same, like, girl. Oh, my parents talking me into bed or like, you know, reading me a bedtime story or, you know, we did this, we did that. I don't remember a lot of it. So, I used to think it was like something wrong with me. That's actually a very common thing of somebody who's been through trauma, especially because in that moment, he just sprung something super traumatic on you. You basically, you go into survival mode and that kind of when everything shuts down and you don't remember much. Um, mm-hmm. And I can only say that, you know, based on the work that I've done in science and all the stuff that, with all of that, but I'm the same way. Like my mom all the time is like, don't you remember this, this and that? And we lived here and we went here and Disneyland and this and that. And I'm like, no, yeah. I have about 10 or so memories and they're almost all bad. I have a couple good ones, but I don't remember much until I was like at least like 10 to 12 is when my memory yeah. started coming back. So same. Well, it makes same. sense. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so like I said, once he told me that, that was my first response was, you know, my mom's not my real mom. And then everything else kind of went in one ear and out the other. And um, from that moment on, like it changed everything. Um, I started like questioning a lot of things, you know, not really like, again, I was eight. So I was very confused. So I don't really know how, like, I didn't know how to react to mm-hmm. something like that. Um, then I remember a, um, the kids finding out at school and one girl said to me, um, the only reason your mother left you is because she didn't love you. And that destroyed me. And yeah. um you know, so that actually led me to self-bullying myself pretty much the rest of my life. Um, just never felt like I was loved, never felt like I was wanted. Um, I felt rejected. Um, like, how could someone leave me? How could my own mother didn't, like, you know, doesn't want me? And I thought, I always kept saying, like, what's wrong with me? Like, is there something wrong with me that she doesn't want me? And um, that just breaks my heart just because I think of my eight-year-old son. He just, you know, he's eight. And knowing how he's emotional and how he understands things and, like, he, like that's an age that you, like, start really getting things and mm-hmm. contemplating things and your head just, like, going, you know what I mean? And uh, just, like, I just want to hug little you because it's just that <laughs> feeling. I can't – it just makes me sad because I know that, like I said, I think that this happens a lot, unfortunately, a lot to people who are adopted when they do find out if they're not known from, if they don't know from the beginning, because it's just like, wait, holy crap, their whole world just like came crashing down at once. Of course. And you the life we like thought it? it was, it was just, just not the same anymore. Right. Do you remember after that kind of feeling different with your parents, like disconnected? Do you remember like with your mom, like oh, yeah. conversations with her, like when you got home or how did that go? You know, it's weird because I actually always, um, I always felt a little off. Like there's something different like inside and I just never really knew what it was. So, mm-hmm. but when I found that out, it's kind of like, felt like it was coming together. Like I was okay. sort of understanding like, that's why I feel different because I am different. Makes and of sense. course, yeah, I grew up um, feeling very disconnected. The older I got, the more disconnected I felt from my family mm-hmm. and they never made me feel that way. It was just me personally. Right. And um, I just, you know, I felt disconnected, not just from my family, but from like people around me. I never felt like I fit in. I could never relate to like other kids my age. And um, I don't know, it's just, that's a really bad feeling as a kid to not feel like you're, you know, you belong anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then of course, you know, grow, the older I got, the worse it got. Um, so when I hit high school, that's when I actually started like really going downhill. And um, I really wanted answers. Um, but before, so actually, I forgot before that, um, I would literally look in the mirror every night and try to figure out what my parent, my birth parents looked like because I didn't have mm. pictures growing up. So I would stare in the mirror and literally say, who do I look like? I look like who? And um, I would take images of myself, like features of myself and create images of them and just go oh, off wow. of that. I was like, oh, maybe my mom has this and or I have my dad's hair or just something like that um, until, yeah, I got to high school and, and I was like, I need answers. So I started to pursue investigating. Um, but right before I investigated, I went to my mom and 
I asked her because she's very emotional. I was like, I want to search for my birth mom. But if this is something that's going to make you sad or hurt you, I won't do it. Mm. Um, I didn't want to just do it without, you know, talking to her first. and seeing Right, which is a very <laughs> selfless thing to do. So I think that that's, I mean, that makes sense. Of course, you don't yeah. want to hurt your mom, but it's still, it's an answer you needed. Like you needed to know that, to know who you were. So it makes sense. Exactly. So um, I contacted the lawyer that actually brought me over on the plane here. and. You know, he said, oh, come to my house. I have all these boxes. I have uh, your files. I have uh, pictures of your birth mother. And I was oh, so, so that's so how excited. you found it is by contacting him. Well, no. <laughs> so that's where I thought. Uh, so I brought my, my best friend with me, Danielle, and we went and we looked through every box. But there was nothing there. And I, I left like devastated because I had my hopes up that I was finally going to see what she looked like and oh, finally okay. get some answers. Um, but I didn't give up. I kept going. Um, I searched for a few years. So I started the search in 2002. In 2011, it took me a long time. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I finally found an investigator in Romania who found my family like that so fast that when I actually, he gave me pictures, he gave me all this information that I was so shocked. And I guess I didn't believe it, that I had him investigated. Oh. So I hired a private investigator to hire this or to um, investigate this, investigate the investigator. Because Why? I had, like, you were like, he, maybe he's my dad or like what? Like, were you just like, thinking, like, who's this person that knows all my life? Well, I also grew up like a lot of things were like, I felt like nothing went right for me and I didn't, nothing was going to go right. And I didn't deserve to be happy and I didn't deserve for good things to happen. And I always felt like it was good, too good to be true kind of thing. Mm. So I had this weird feeling in my stomach. Like I thought that maybe he paid this, I'm paying him and he paid this family to pretend to be my family. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, they have, there are stories like that. Quick. Right. Yeah. I was like, this is too, too real. Like this, this too can't easy. be right. Yeah. Um, but that's when I, um, I found out I was part of rape and I have a half brother and a half sister that, um, she had with their father, she got married. Um, but of course finding out, you know, what happened, her being raped, that was, I, that was like another thing that destroyed me because I started blaming myself and Mm. I kept thinking like my existence caused her so much pain. So I hated myself more. And um, it's just, I don't know. It was a really tough thing to hear. Yeah. So when, explain a little bit, like, so how, how did he find your family? Like, how does the whole process work? Like, did you know her name or anything like that? And then that's how, like, they started an investigation? I did have her name. So I had my birth certificate. Yeah, okay. with her name on it, my name on it, um, where I was born, what year, okay. all that stuff. Um, okay. So that's that's all I had based off of her name. So when you found out you were a product of rape and all of that, did you start, how did you cope with that? Like, did you start kind of having self-destructive behavior? Like, how did that work? I did. Um, so I started, um, I guess, again, I started blaming myself. Mm-hmm. I started like wondering like how could I do even though I know it sounds so crazy but I literally the thoughts went through my head is how could I do that to her Mm. how like why like it's just I don't even know how to like I'm trying to express it but it's um it's a really it's hard to imagine right so um I started I did start acting out a lot with with boys Mm. but um not in the way you think like not sexually it was mm. always like um I liked the attention mm. so I would always um flirt with guys and then um like attention when it got, like, to that yeah so when it got to that like further point I backed off because I'm like no 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 I'm not ready for that um so I actually I mean I was 21 when I lost my virginity so that oh, wasn't, okay. wasn't an issue with like guys in a sexual way it was just more right. attention seeking because I just I guess I needed that feeling of like being validation and being wanting yeah and I, I seek validation from from boys and instead of right. myself and um so yeah I just started doing that I um I remember this one little 
I started like going into not drugs, but like a lot of this one group like just constantly drank and I would just always be around. So I, I would drink a lot. Um, I would start like smoking weed. I would, so I would just, I would just self-destruct myself basically. I never hurt anybody in the process. It was just myself. Okay. And it, other than drinking and smoking, did you get any like self-harm, anything like that? There were times where I, I cut myself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't um, severe enough. It, like I would hide it. Um, it wasn't to the point where like it was, I needed to go to the hospital or, um, or someone like my parents saw. Just like the release of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, like I, I don't even know what to say. Cause like I said earlier, like that's something that I can't even imagine the feeling of having that. Like I can't imagine feeling that, you know what I mean? And so I, I'm glad that you got answers, but at the same time, it's like, it's obviously not what you wanted to hear. It wasn't the mm-hmm. butterfly story of just that your mom was too young and could take care of you and had to get you up for adoption. And so how has that, like, how has that continued in your life as you've gotten older? Um, actually, you know what, let's back, let's back up. So when you found out who your mother is, I remember you said that you had contacted, you tried to contact her through the mm-hmm. investigator, correct? So tell us a little yeah. bit more about that. So uh, the investigator went to find them. Um, he sat with them. He um, he took pictures of her, her husband, her um, my half brother, half sister, um, her parents. So I had living grandparents. Um, of what they look like now. I'm sorry. Like you, they, he took pictures of what they look like now, like currently. Yeah. Okay. Yes, current. Yeah. Okay. Um. So. And they just basically sat and talked and he asked her like the story of like, you know, why did she give me up? And that's when she expressed what happened to her. And um, I don't know if her husband was there when she, when she told him the story. Okay. Um, but I think her kids were, which mm-hmm. I was very shocked that she would say that in front of her kids. But mm-hmm. um, they were 16 and 13 at the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't have a family history. I don't have medical history. I don't have any of that. Still, I don't. Um, and I don't think I'm ever going to find it, honestly. So I yeah. just know I'm always have to just put on, you know, unknown for everything I fill out. But um, mm. they didn't really talk much. You know, I have their address. You know, when I first met, um, found her, I wrote a letter to her. Um, but I didn't get anything back. Um, and then I decided to send my birth mom and my grandparents uh, Christmas card and I put money in it because you know $20 to them is like a big deal or whatever I decided to give them but mm-hmm. you know my grandfather they, they were so appreciative my grandparents but my my mother never replied back or never but said your grandparents like, did my grandfather did yeah oh, he, did. he wrote me a letter yeah and he was my little pen pal for a while oh really and do you still yeah. sleep with him no, I found out, so the letters stopped, and then I was wondering why, and then I found oh. out a few years ago that he passed away. Okay, did he and give I, you ever any information, or like, what was his, did he ever say his thoughts on like, what happened? He told, so he didn't really go further, like, really talk about her, just basically didn't say too much nice things about his daughter, um, said that like, oh. she just like, kind of like, wild, and uh, she liked to drink, and she liked to blurred and all this other stuff and I was like oh okay thank you okay so they <laughs> obviously that. they have a great relationship <laughs> no okay. apparently not um, oh it's interesting to me because you know you say your mom never contacted you back or doesn't want really much communication um but yet she let the lawyer come sit down find out the story get pictures of them currently like it's almost as if she like she wants to but can't I don't know it's, it's a very right. interesting feeling of like well, I wonder what she's feeling because maybe she it wasn't like she was shut the right the door thing to do him. right like right. she didn't shut the door on and like no I don't want anything to do with this she was like still willing to give information but not too much you know what I mean exactly so that is interesting yeah. so you set the money and then um so you know and then I got to the point where I'm like I don't want to um her to talk to me just because I'm sending money I want her to want to talk to me because she wants to And, um, that's when I just kind of stopped. Then I went through that whole feeling of, um, second, you know, abandonment and that Mm -hmm. second rejection from her. Um, and I was, that was tough too. Yeah. It was just kind of like getting hit like one after another of 
just rejection and and more mm-hmm. trauma. And you have siblings, right? Like not not through her, but like your adopted family. You have siblings. Yes, I have an older brother. Okay. Yeah. And um, knowing that you have these other siblings, have you ever thought about like reaching out to them or not really? So I did. I reached out to my half brother. Him and I would message through Facebook messaging. But um, it's really hard, even though we have the Google translation, it's so hard mm. to talk to him. Like, so we can say, hi, how are you? Um, talk about the weather. We could talk about like little things. But to go into like further detail, like it won't pick up. Like there's a lot of things where he'll reply back and I'm just like, what did he say? Like mm. it's all over the place. So like we okay. really can't talk. We did write a few times back and forth. Um, okay. I sent, my sister has a son. So I sent, one year I sent him like some clothes and I bought him some toys and I sent it over and like a little package. And mm. um, so like I did talk to them, but I stopped talking to them. What was your reason to stop after the whole thing after, you know, obviously she wasn't responding because the money, why did you stop contacting them? It was too hard for me. Because, because you weren't getting anything back? Not from her, but it was too hard for me to talk to siblings that I had oh, because okay. you know it's not like you know I'm in Philadelphia and they're in New York or New Jersey and we can you know meet up and we can talk and reminisce about everything this is another country different language different culture like so mm-hmm. much so many differences and what I would really want from like I can't get mm. and it was just really tough going back and forth like you know if they if they brought up like their mother my mother okay. it was like tough for me to hear at the time because I, I hated her I started hating her for not like angry. Yeah. I got really angry at her for not wanting to have a relationship with me. Mm. So I was like, you know, and I know it's not the right way to do it, but I just kind of got to the point where I was like, but it's valid. Like it makes sense. Yeah. Like I don't even want anything to do with Romania anymore. I kind of shut everything out. Mm. Like I gave you a chance and you don't want anything. So like, screw you, you know? Yeah. You let me down. Yep. I get that. Oh, that's so hard. So then kind of what happened what 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 how is things continued through your adulthood and to now basically where you are how you've accepted everything how does that go how is that going so um so in my 20s I think was my hardest years because that was again like I so I went into relationships I stayed with two two different guys longer than I should have mm. um one was addicted well, got addicted to drugs after we started dating. And um, the other guy had mental illness and attempted suicide. And I had nobody, none of his family to help me. And I just took on everything on my own. Um, But I, again, I I stayed with boys longer than I should because I felt that if, you know, who else would want me? Or if Mm -hmm. I, you know, they left me or I left them, will I be alone? Because I felt unlovable. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I just, and I, I didn't think, and I also felt like I didn't deserve to like anything good. Like, mm-hmm. so I just, I had my standards very low. Just, well, whoever loves me, loves me. And that's good enough. Like, exactly. Good, I guess. It doesn't matter what you do to yourself or what you're putting me through. Like I had a guy who like basically stole money from me. He, um, and I'm going to say, actually say this because I told to tell my mom so I can say it out loud. Um, he stayed with us for a week and um, my mom's had two pieces of her wedding set mm. and my mom's like almost like a few years away from 80 so there, it's right. really like old antique like you can't get this Good ever stuff. again right. um, one of her sets was missing mm. and that's when um, I found out he went to the cash for gold place and stole it and I literally beat myself up so bad because one, it was my responsibility that I let him in this house. And, mm. um, and the fact that I literally was sick to my stomach to go into my mom, I was in tears and I knew I had to finally tell her the truth. And I just told her like, I'm so sorry. Like I, this is all my fault. And she saw how like disheveled I was. And she mm. just, um, she just, she knew like, she just like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Like she just knew how mm. upset I was. And I just, like I said, I just did stupid things because you accepted a lot of alone. shit. Yeah. You yeah. accepted a lot of shit because you didn't want to be abandoned again. Yeah, exactly. I had that fear of abandonment with everyone. 
mm-hmm. even friends, like people that stopped talking to me or like, I would always have, I would always be a people pleaser mm-hmm. because I felt that if, um, if I please that person, they won't leave me. Right. I get that. Jeez. So let's go into a little bit more of, well, let's talk about the traumatic experience that happened when you were an adult. Um, the one that you've never spoken out about publicly, you know, like I said, a minute ago, a little while ago, you've already been through so much trauma. And the thing is, I think a lot of people don't fully understand the trauma part of that because they're like, well, nobody hurt her physically. Nobody, you know, nothing happened to her physically, but like the emotional trauma that you felt, I can't like, that's, that's big. Like that's big freaking trauma. And I've seen the effects and I've heard, you know, our conversations and it's something that I want people to really understand that like not to take lightly because you've adopted a child or going to adopt a child, like you have to fully understand what that means. And I think that a lot of people nowadays are very like, let's adopt a child and rescue them and let's be the heroes and this and that, Mm -hmm. which yeah, technically you are a hero in that that aspect, but you're not thinking about the long term situation and I didn't have counseling or any therapy growing up either for it well because and also like they didn't tell you until you were older you know and even though you mean you were so young but still you were older you were past Mm -hmm. the point like from the beginning is when I'm like usually I believe personally that people should tell from the beginning like they won absolutely because this is and this is important this is something if they tell them from the beginning they'll grow up with that validation of like it's they told always, you always knew that you have a second mom, you have a second dad, you know, whatever the situation is. Right. But that feeling of abandonment will be, would feel, I feel like a little bit different, a little bit lighter. Um, but again, when you adopt a child, like it's a long process of feelings mm-hmm. and com- it's a lifelong commitment basically of dealing with it. Like just because right. you adopt them and the adoption closes, doesn't mean you just like continue and live on and that's it like it is like you said you need they need continued therapy they need that validation they need to know that they're adoptees like an adoptee support system exactly like a support system of like other people who've been through it similar situations and especially when there's other kids involved as well um like if they a very it's very common that people adopt and then end up having kids of their own or whatever and I think that that causes I'm something weird uh I feel like that causes a lot of feelings too because it's like okay but they're, they're this is their full child so they love them more or something like mm-hmm. that at least that's what I've heard from personal people's experiences and mm-hmm. so again I'm just saying this out loud for people that are listening that have considered adoption or have recently adopted or whatever the situation is that please just understand that like it's a traumatic emotional lifelong decision and experience mm-hmm. that you have to make sure you give this child that you adopt continuous love and validation throughout their life to let them know that they are just as much loved as any other child even if it's by them but not by their original parents like most of the time and even your mom your biological mom she didn't give you away because she like just left you on a doorstep you know what I mean she's not like she just left you on a doorstep and was like bye she knew she put you in in an orphanage because she was somewhere that she felt at the time was safe to where eventually you would get a family and that is out of love whether they whether they fully understand that or not at the moment you know what I mean it's a decision that they feel like they have to make for that child so it's a lot of different feelings emotionally I have a friend who um has adopted she she adopted a little boy from China and they actually moved to China they had three kids of their own and then adopted him and then moved to China because to them they felt like it was important for him to still be in his culture they're a they're a um Caucasian family excuse me I couldn't think what the right word was they were they were a Caucasian family and he's a little you know Asian kid so he sticks out first yeah. of all like a sore thumb but and he's so freaking cute but he has grown up no she always taught him his language she taught him Chinese she made sure you know to take him to trips to China and then now he's like mm-hmm. I want to say he's like eight or nine close to my son's age and they live in China now and he like grew up in that culture and yeah he doesn't really have communication with his biological family at all but for him, it, she felt like it was important for him to know where he came from. So he still yeah, felt like sure. he belonged. And I just think that's just like such an important, those are just important steps to take when you, I think you've adopted, when you've adopted somebody. So um, thank you for sharing that because again, I think yeah. it happens a lot and it's definitely something that needs to be talked about more. 
Um, sorry, my eye is like bugging me. Give me a second. I do want to um, want to talk about answer that one question you said about. Yeah, um, let me go back to that. Yeah, sorry, I'll cut this out. But I just want something there. Okay. These freaking lashes. <laughs> okay, got it. Um, you asked me about okay, how like, so, I yeah. came to self-acceptance. And, yeah, let's and go back. Yeah, let's go back to that question of how did you get to the self-acceptance of where you are now? Because I think that's important for people to know that you, you know, you are in such a low, really shitty place. And now, mm -hmm. like, if you follow Baby Be Brave, which if you don't, go follow them, right? Now, go follow her right now. Um, she, this girl, from the minute she wakes up to the minute she goes to bed throughout the day is like, good morning you know, this and that afternoon, <laughs> this is what's how it is. She posts quotes and she's very uplifting. And even for me, like it just helps me puts a smile on my face. because I think it's definitely needed, especially right now because it's such a like negative time. Um, and then, you know, she, she goes to bed, good night, have a good night, sweet dreams, you know, <laughs> things like that. So when you meet, when you know, Michelle, it's like, Hey, wait, like, I can't even imagine her being like that. Cause she's a very positive person. So I, yeah, explain to us, like, how are you, where you are now? All right, guys. So if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen me wearing and repping the cutest leggings and workout gear. Well, all of that is from my ladies at Clone Apparel. The founder, Alex, was actually a guest on episode 10, Darkness Before Dawn on season one, which was about suicide prevention. Clone specializes in apparel for every booty and boob type. Plus, they have stuff for men as well. I can literally go from recording this podcast to the gym to picking up my kids and never have to worry about them moving, scrunching, or showing my booty. They are squat proof, moisture wicking, and did I mention super affordable? I'm talking nothing over $45. They will be launching new styles including high-waisted workout shorts this month, which I seriously cannot wait for. Check out the clone highlight on my Instagram page and make sure you follow them on Facebook and or Instagram at clone apparel. That's K-L-O-N apparel. And the link to their website is in the bio. Also, if you use the discount code candle in a dark room, one word, you will get 20% off. So make sure you check them out now. You will not regret it. So because of everything I've been through, I suffered with like depression, anxiety, um, so it wasn't until this year, um, during the pandemic is when I hit my low with depression to the mm. point where there was just one night I was just feeling such a sense of hopelessness and it wasn't really, it wasn't me wanting to end my life, like actually physically end my life, but it was just me thinking in my head, like if I wasn't here, I wouldn't have to feel so much pain anymore. I felt so hopeless. Like you was going to get better. Not like, not like you wanted to jump in front of a bus, but if a bus hit you, then like, no. that's okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Pretty much. Yeah. That's um, how I always explain it to people because I'm like, you weren't suicidal. Like you were going to go and jump in front of the bus, but the feeling of such hopelessness of like, I, I hope if something happened to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then I was this, you know, earlier this year, I was going to go search for my birth father. So I had like everything ready. Um, and then I used to think like, why would I want to search for someone who did this to her, who mm -hmm. put me through hell and made me so, he was the reason part of my depression. Right. Um, so I had like everything ready to go. And then um, I just like stopped and I was like, why do I need, I started realizing that my, I didn't need closure from my family. Mm -hmm. um, my real closure was me finally accepting what it was and loving myself. And that's right. when I found my real closure. And that's when I started creating the page, um, baby be brave. And, um, and that's, I mean, I'm still healing, of course, and I'm still learning every day. I'm not, and you probably will you know, for the rest of your life. Right. I'm not healed and I'm not, you know, 100 yet, but I'm getting there. And that was like, what I made said, you decide? Closure. Right. What made you that? So like you said, it made a big difference with baby be brave. What kind of made you decide to start that? Like, how did that all come out? Uh, so that's when I was feeling at my lowest point. Um, I was just laying there that night and just feeling like, I know I'm not the only one that feels this. And I know I'm not the only one that's alone. Um, mm -hmm. And there's so many people who suffer that don't want to speak out and talk about it because um, they feel ashamed. Right. So like, I I'm decided to make it. Yeah. So I decided to create the page and just let people know, like, you matter, you are enough, um, you are loved, and, you know, just 
you know, don't give up. You're not alone in any of this. And we're all in this together. And that's why I like to share a lot of positivity and a lot of, um, a lot of the positivity I share to others, I try to take in myself. So I'm learning at the same right. time. Like we said yesterday, we, sometimes it's hard because we give great advice. If, we're, if, if you're in this building, oh, you do yeah. type of thing, we give great advice. But then when it's time for us to follow, it's like, Ooh, okay, wait, what, I, mean, what I, I tell give such great else? advice, but me, it's like, what are you doing, Michelle? <laughs> exactly. Okay. So you decided to start Baby Be Brave, which is amazing. Um, how has that how have you seen that? Like, have you had a lot of responses from that? Um, she so we explained. So Michelle goes on lives with other with the guests that have been through adoption and other things similar to that. Um, sometimes it's just self love things like that. But she does lives with them. They answer questions about how it feels to be going through things like this. And I think it's an awesome outlet. Um, have you? How have you seen it not only help others, but also help you yourself? Like what are the big things you, you've noticed? And the reason I ask that is because I've said before on like my page and stuff that Candle in a Dark Room has literally like, yeah, I get all, constantly like, get messages about how like I've helped them and this and that. And I've, you know, saved people from killing themselves or whatever the situation is. Yeah. But people don't understand like that is the same for me. Like my, my page helps me as well just as much as it helps mm -hmm. other people because it when I when I'm in my darkest lowest points it helps me pull myself out of that hole and so explain that from for your from your perspective so when I created the page I was I was giving such inspiring and uplifting messages to people and I was also taking that at the same time so every time like all my quotes are based on things that I've struggled with or I still struggle with and I feel like oh like something will come to mind or something will happen I'm like I need to address this. So um, it actually, my page, and it's fine because they say social media is not really, um, you know, oh, it's bad and for you, but social, Instagram has really helped me gain, um, gain self-confidence, um, giving me more self-love, and it's boosted, like my, it just boosted me in every aspect, like um, meeting new people, meeting mm -hmm. you, meeting um, our friends, from the badass Jupiters. Um, right. Everybody has just given me so much inspiration and motivation that when I heard your podcast, you were actually the reason why I'm coming on to share this next part of my life mm -hmm. because I heard you and a bunch of other uh, wonderful girls share their stories. Mm -hmm. And it gave me, I sat at my desk at work and I was like, I need to do this. Like they just gave mm -hmm. me the inspiration and motivation to finally speak out. And um, I just, I'm forever grateful for that. Oh, good. that makes me happy. I'm so glad. And I'm glad that we've crossed paths and, you know, we have each other now. And I think, like you said, I think that people say that, you know, social media is bad and it's not, and it definitely can be if you, if that's what you accept in yours. I feel like I don't allow that type of thing in mine. And I actually, knock on wood, haven't had, really had that yet. Considering, you know, I have like followers and it's not, I haven't had much like negative scrutiny yeah. comments things like that I know you know it's going to come and whatever it's inevitable but the th the pages that we have are bring in the people that want to be the same as us but bring in the people that are in the same situations as us so mm -hmm. we're able to be there for each other and like you said it's brought great relationships some of my closest friends now are on are from doing this and right. I'm just super grateful for social media and to be able to do these type of things because yeah. I think about being in this dark hole like back in the day without social media or mm -hmm. 2020 without social media like yeah. literally what would we have done like how how exactly. does that even work so I'm just super grateful for technology let's just say that um, and then I'm grateful for people like you that listen to my podcast and get the message that I'm trying to get across of like mm -hmm. this is what I want more people to do like you even if it's not an actual rape story or it's not a trafficking story it's not it's not there's constant trauma going on through the world mm -hmm. and to be able to talk about it is what we need more of because it help it helps heal not only us personally but other people so um let's go into the the hard part that you are ready to share and that you haven't yet um we okay. talked about this a couple like last week and I kind of wanted to make sure Michelle was in a good place before she shared it because it is triggering. These type of things are triggering, especially when you haven't fully shared them with your family and 
your, you know, your circle, even your personal circle, they haven't known yet. And then all of a sudden you're going to put it out. That's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. It's a huge step. But first of all, maybe be brave. You got this. Um, <laughs> I think that this is going to help a lot of people because things like this, unfortunately happen on a regular basis. So why don't you go ahead and get started and then we'll go from there. Okay. So, um, I, it was 2009, I was in college and I had to stay late that day to work on an assignment. So I didn't take the subway at my normal time. Um, so I took it later that night. So I, when I was, I got on the subway, I used to, I used to be the girl always had my earphone, my, or my headphones in Mm -hmm. and constantly looking at my phone and just not being like aware of my surroundings. Mm -hmm. Um, so I remember sitting on the subway and there was, uh, it was just three of us because it was so late that not too many people were on. Um, one guy left and I was sitting there listening on my phone and I felt someone walk by me. And when I looked up, I felt, I saw a guy sitting right next to me. And by the time I got up, like I tried to get up, but he put his hand on my thigh and held me down. Um, mm. I just remember like feeling so scared. Like I didn't know what was going to happen and he didn't really say much, but he, I remember him smelling my hair and just smelling Uh. me and saying, um, like, "Mm, you look good and, or you smell good. And I can't, I'm going to have so much fun with you. And, um, I just was like, I completely went like numb. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't even like really fight back much. And, I remember him starting kissing my neck and like brushing his hand around, you know, my, my boobs and, um, started like, like with the hand that was on his thigh, kept like moving around. Eventually he started going down my pants and, um, uh, again, I, I just couldn't, he had like a grip on me and then I can't really couldn't go anywhere. And I remember him, um, pushing me down across the seats. And he, at one hand, he moved his hand to my chest and held me down really hard. Like I could not breathe. Um, when with his other hand, he pulled it out and he was trying to get hard. Um, mm-hmm. But he couldn't because. At this point, had, you're, you just, you were frozen, right? You were like in freeze mode. Yeah, I completely just froze up and just lay there. And I just was like, I don't know what's going to happen. If he's going right. to rape me, he's going to kill me. I just don't know. It. I, I'm like, I can't fight back for this. I'm just, I have no like power to. So I just kind of went completely numb. Um, but he couldn't get it up. Mm. And it was because he was drinking. I saw right. like booze and all on him. So I didn't know if he was just an alcoholic, if he was homeless. I didn't really know what, who he was. Um, so he had me laying across the seats and he just kept like, I, I was like, I put my hand with my hands around his um his hand and I just kept like trying to like a little pull it off a little bit and he just kept laughing at me and um but he still couldn't like do anything so Mm -hmm. I was like so I remember just like turning over I was like it is it's gonna happen Uh, whatever I I can't I don't know what to do um right so I turned my face and I remember seeing the glass like the door like going by and there was all this graffiti on the on the walls and I remember um, this one graffiti right before my stop because I wasn't there, like on there too, too long. Um, and that kind of gave me such like, like a light came on and like, I was getting, I was like, oh man, I, I need to get up. Like, this is, this is my sign that I, that I, I need to get off because I turned my head at the exact time I saw it. Um, so literally all the power I had and the frustration, I literally uh, put both of my hands up on his face and I squeezed it as hard as I could and I just like pushed him off because I think I hurt him and I pushed him pushed him off onto the floor because he was drunk so he was a little stubbly stumbly um I remember getting up getting my bag and then the doors were open I just like ran out and I never looked back um Mm. I remember my mom actually picked me up and she saw I was like frazzled and she asked me like what happened I, I just kind of lied to her and said like oh just had a little some guy was just like harassing me, but it's no big deal. And then I just. Why do you think you did that? Why not in that moment? Do you think that you didn't say like, oh my gosh, this guy just attacked me. I was feeling like, what so was going many through different. Your head? 
so many different emotions. I was feeling, I was still in, in like the shock phase. Right. I um, didn't think that was the right time to just blurt it out. Um, and I just felt, I felt so stupid. I felt ashamed. Like I, mm. like, why did I have to look at my headphones? Why did I have, first of all, I was like, why did I have to stay late? Start blaming why, yourself. Yeah. Why did I stay late from school? Um, I could have just got an F or why did I, um, why did I sit like why didn't I get off with that guy if I like just why didn't I turn my music off or why wasn't I more aware or why didn't I fight back more or so many different reasons why all Um, the whys and what ifs and and again my self-esteem level was so low to the ground already that that Mm. just that happening to me just made me even feel worse I was just like how old were you at this time I was 21 okay so you'd yeah. also barely been getting in the recovery part of what happened with your exactly. adoption. And then this was just kind of like the icing on the cake. Okay. Exactly. Um, so um, I started having like nightmares and every night I would just constantly relive the whole thing um, from beginning to end. And I would just constantly wake up in like a sweat and just, I would cry, I would wake up in tears and just couldn't breathe. And um, I could feel like, like when I got up, I could feel like it was almost like his hand was still on my chest mm. kind of feeling. Um, they lasted for about a year and a half. And when I started getting, um, when they started going away, that's when I found out I was part of rape about a few months later. And oh, so you hadn't, you didn't know yet until, no. oh, okay. So you were no. literally like in the middle of your investigation when all this happened exactly and um when I got the picture of my birth father um when I did the investigation I um the dream the nightmare started coming back and I but this time it wasn't the guy on the subway it was my birth father doing it to me oh wow because you had a picture and you knew what he looked like yeah okay yeah my gosh and why do you think, why do you think that that happened? Because you had just found out about the product of rape and you were putting yourself like in your mom's shoes. Or did you think about that a lot or? I didn't really think about, maybe now I do kind of think of it that way, but it was more of me just, it was a trigger mode. And it triggered me back to like being like when I heard like that she struggled and she had, she was attacked mm. and she was, she was taken advantage of. And I, I put myself in that situation again, like I was reliving it all over again. And when I just started, like, finally, like, not healing, but, like, at least getting um, a break from the nightmares, it all came back again. Um, But um, I would, like, a lot of things would trigger me. I would, whenever I saw, like, a guy, I would always wonder, like, oh, God, like, I didn't want to be in an elevator with a guy. And honestly, I still feel this at times. I'm still not over it completely. There are times Mm -hmm. I go in an elevator, it's just me and one guy, and I'm, like, and I hold my breath. Cause I'm like, mm. oh gosh, like what happens if like he follows me to my car? Um, what happens, you know, like, so it's just like, or then like if guys started like hitting on me, I would feel very uncomfortable. I, I used to love it before, but then I started getting like, oh gosh, like what are their intentions? And I started looking Triggered. at everyone as rapists. Mm. Every guy is a rapist. And that's a horrible feeling to have to do that. Cause they're not all bad. Right. So <sighs> yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to happen, and especially in such a short period of time. And it all—it's crazy how it kind of did a full circle, like almost, like like you said, mm-hmm. with your mom. And in that moment, and in that time, and maybe, you know, I definitely think that something that sometimes things happen for a reason. And definitely, you know, obviously, you wouldn't want anybody to go through that. But now that you, but since you did go through that, maybe that's what helped you give your mom a little grace with what happened. And I think yeah. that those type of situations is when, for me personally, I believe our higher power God comes in and is like, okay, well, since this happened, let's use this as a lesson of like, I want you to give your mom grace in like this situation because you had so much anger with her at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now when I look at, you know, growing up, I used to always like be all about me and how I felt and what she did to me and what she made me feel. Um, until recently, now I'm starting to look at it, her in a different eye. So, um, as not a birth mother, but as a human, as a person, right. 
who she's endured so much pain and so much I can't even imagine what she been went through the feeling of, of being powerless and um she was attacked in an alley so she, she probably was, she still probably sure has flashbacks and memories and yeah she met him at come. a wedding and he followed her um she said no to him and that's a sign of dishonor in that country I guess at that time and it's when he took her into the alleyway and did it and it's just like um like again now I'm like looking at her as a person finally um and I know it sounds horrible to say finally but but it um, makes sense like sometimes it does take things like that to kind of put yourself in out of people's like I said situation to be of, like wow yeah I have a lot of empathy for her yeah more than more now well I am so sorry that that happened to you and that's a horrible experience um but explain so you never told your family until ever <laughs> right oh no so uh, <laughs> my parents don't know and honestly I don't really think I'm gonna tell them I just okay. My my parents aren't like that very emotional kind of people, and they're just not like as understanding as I want them to be for me. Um, even okay. with adoption, we don't really talk about it. We never did. Um, do they know like what you do now, like how you do your baby be brave? They do. Talk they just it, don't understand that. it. So when I like I try to tell my mom something, she's just like like very, when I first went on and talked about the the live, um, the very first live I'm gonna do, she's like, well, what is it about? She's like. Oh, just me sharing my story about being adopted and how it made me feel. And she's like, well, you were fine. And I was oh. like, oh, no, but. You're like, um, I actually wasn't, but okay. Like, oh, okay. No, I really wasn't, but thank you for thinking that. Yeah. But, thank you for um, telling me I'm a great actress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I am a great actress. But, yeah. um, yeah, I didn't tell my parents. Um, I didn't tell my brother. I didn't tell a lot of I really didn't tell anybody until like that not a little while like maybe a few years ago I started saying that I was I had an incident on a subway or I mm. I was sexually assaulted but I never went into details so this is right. the first time I'm ever sharing details um there was one time I was gonna go on a, um I was with my ex-boyfriend and my brother around Christmas and we were coming from this Christmas village and they wanted to take the subway home and I would always say no, like, like after that, I never went on the subway since. Um, so I, they wanted to go on and I was just like, I kept saying no, They're like, no, no, it's going to be faster, but I'm not going to just stand in the middle of the street saying, Hey, I was almost raped on the subway. I shouldn't be, I don't want to go right. there. So I just suck it up, went on there. And I just remember just sitting there and just like being silent the whole time. And like, mm -hmm. just hearing both of them, like echoing on each side of my ear um, and just being like numb because I was trying not to like relive it and I was mm -hmm. trying to think of other things like I was playing I actually played an episode of Friends in my head <laughs> while I was on there because oh, I actually yeah, made laugh. okay thank you because I am obsessed with Friends and I feel like nowadays hardly anybody like watches it anymore and I'm like do you watch the I literally it's my go-to like I always say it's like my coping skill because at mm -hmm. night like I when I can't sleep and I have anxiety because that's what happens at night um I don't sleep very often but friends is always on. You always count on friends. Yeah. And friends is like a, a happy place for me. Like when I'm trying not to just like disconnect or flashback or anything like that. Friends. Like that's so funny that you yeah. said that. Because I love friends. So I could recite every episode of my head. So I Same. remember playing the episode of, um, I think it was like a, a Thanksgiving episode. And I just, just like kept going to it. And I was just like, oh, and I, like I said, I just kept hearing them. And then like when they were like, okay, let's go. I was like, okay, episode over off the, yeah. <laughs> the subway. And then the rest of the day, I was just like, I was in such a bad place. But um, just triggered, and you've not yeah. been on the subway since, correct? No, I, I I I tried like when I moved to Jersey or when I was in Jersey and I had it. I got a job in Philly. Um, people kept saying, "Oh, you should take the Paco." The Paco is not the same as subway, but it's still underground and it's kind of like the like it. So I tried. I tried to like. Uh, I was like, "All right, well, maybe I'll go there one day and I'll um I'll go take a ride on there and see if I could do it." Right. Um, well, it shares the same platform as the um, the subway entrance. Oh, okay. So when I went down there, I kept hearing like like I saw like the subway, and I kept hearing the the rail go by like one after, mm. and then it just I got like everything inside me just like got so like I wanted to explode, and I got really just too close. Yeah. So I like I turned back around. My hands were shaking. Um, I couldn't like I just could not breathe. I just walked away, and I was like. So I ended up driving in every day and taking the bus. Mm. 
because I refuse to take the subway. So now, how do you deal with it now? How do you deal with what happened now? Like is it, you said, it's still triggering at moments. You still haven't told your parents. Did you tell your brother? No, I have okay. to share it to him. Okay, so you're still going to share with your brother. Yeah, because he's so, he follows me on, on, on my page, so I do not want him to find out from a post or when a, you know, I want him to know ahead of time. No, that makes no, I mean, I think that's very, again, selfless of you that you would do that because it's definitely hard to share with loved ones, like with your family. Yeah. It's different than sharing with friends or publicly. It's a lot harder to, t- to say it in front of your family. Um, yeah. I used to say, cause I used to sing and I would be able to sing like publicly and I'd be okay. But then when I would have, like, my mom would ask me to sing. I was like, no, like, I don't, like, <laughs> nope, nope, I don't, yeah. I just think that vulnerability is hard. You would think you'd be comfortable, yeah. more comfortable with family, but I'm not, I share more yeah. with, with not strangers, but people I just connect with, I, like, I right. feel like it's harder for me to connect with my family. Hmm. So what advice would you give somebody who's in a similar situation of, like, maybe they've been recently assaulted? Um, let's start with that question first. Um, well, one, it's not your fault. And I finally learning to realize that I can tell someone else it's not their fault, but I didn't believe it. Um, but yeah, it's not your fault. Um, there's nothing that you could probably do to change what's going to happen because that person has what they want to do in their head already. And you don't like, whether it's just, I mean, I don't know like what kind of escalation the person, like how far it goes with that person, but whatever they have in mind, that's what they're going to do and you can't like you know you can try and scream like if you're around people you can try to scream um but I mean I don't like I wish I would have fought back harder that's my own personal advice mm-hmm. I mean yeah, if he had a weapon fight. I would have not done anything right. but I, that's the thing is sometimes you don't know you don't know that you exactly. if they have a weapon or not so I mean honestly like I remember my mom saying that if I ever, like, for example, if ever anyone ever tried to kidnap me, she said, kick and scream even if they tell you not to, even if they have a mm-hmm. knife out, because it's better to, and I know this sounds horrible, but it's, I think I remember her saying, like, it'd be better if they killed you right there than if they took you, because the True. torture would be worse. Yeah. So I Absolutely. remember saying that. So I kind of explained that to people, like, it's better to kick and fight and do whatever you can in that moment. If you're, if you're able to, mm-hmm. then to not, because either way you're going to get hurt. So you might as well try to fight them off. You know what exactly. I mean? Um, what else but I definitely you? don't, don't um, blame yourself. It's not your fault. Uh, don't bury it for 11 years. Like I did because it actually right. does more, more damage to you. That's what I was going to ask you. Would you recommend telling somebody right away? Absolutely. I wish I would have gone to the cops right away, but because he was a stranger attack right. and I, um, I never heard any other stories since. Right. Then. Wasn't public. Um, so I think he, he just know. was stumbling along there one day. It was just like at the wrong right place, wrong timing. Right. Um, so definitely I would tell someone close to you, go to a cop, go talk to someone. Even if it is just your mom picking you up or your Yeah, your and family, even if you don't want to report somebody. it, talk to someone. Go to therapy exactly. for it, um, something. Like you said, don't carry it around for 11 years because yeah. that eats you away a little bit at a time. So, um, yeah. Now let's give it a little bit of advice on going back to people who are in similar, similar situations, been adopted, maybe recently found out, um, product of rape, like so many different things like that. What advice can you give to to them? So for um, anyone who is adopted, um, just know that um, adoption isn't, yes, it's a beautiful thing, but it comes a lot with trauma and that's okay. Like I I do say this a lot, but I'll say it again. Um, It's okay to have mixed feelings about your adoption. It's okay to be happy and sad. Um, It's okay to feel disconnected from your family, but that doesn't mean you don't love them. It's right. okay to go search for your um, your identity, your birth family, but that doesn't mean that you should feel guilty, you know, that you're betraying your adoptive family. Right. Um, and, you know, I whatever think, you find. 
I was just to say, I think that that happens a lot. Like people are afraid they're going to hurt their parents, but you're mm-hmm. going to hurt your adoptive family. Like, well, we're not good enough for you. And exactly. it's so much more than that. And I think that's what people need to understand. And right. their families too. Like that's what families need to understand too, is don't take it personally. If like mm-hmm. your adopted child is asking for their parents, doesn't mean that they love you any less. Like they just need to right. find out who they are. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say next is to the adopters. Um, when your your child like your adopted child says something like they want to search for their family or they start questioning or um, whatever they're feeling um, that is a challenging and confusing time for them and do mm-hmm. not take you cannot take it personal because right. their feelings are not personal to you it's what, whatever their feelings are valid and you need okay. to make them know let them know that um, what they're saying matters and you want to answer every question for them and even if it's something, don't hold anything back. Um, you know, like if I knew, like if like if my parents knew at eight years old that I was a product of rape, I would want, maybe, I don't know, at eight years old, but I eventually would have wanted to know before I find it out on my own because it's better to find something out early in life than mm-hmm. find that later and it's just harder to heal from or right. it does more damage to you in the long run. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, just don't feel ashamed and adoptees, you're not alone. No, I mean, there's so many people adopted and you just need to, you know, join these communities. These communities help so much. Um, yeah, there's communities know, for support. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of, it's a shame a lot of adoptees end up committing suicide because they feel unheard or mm-hmm. unwanted. And it breaks my heart that they feel that way because there were times where I wanted to give up and there were times where I tried to to do it right um well yeah that's that's some heavy stuff and you know I'm really proud of you for getting on here and sharing this because I know this is super hard and I know that it's a huge step in your healing um but I think that you're doing amazing and I think that baby be brave is just such a needed thing for people right now especially adoptees and people that are kind of feeling lost um so keep doing that because I think that you're definitely going down the right path um thank you you sharing your story today I think there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna resonate with you and understand like holy crap somebody's been through what I've been through similar situations somebody's felt these feelings the same as I do and so thank you so much for telling us and being vulnerable and you know, the first time you told me, like last week, I remember afterwards, like, because I do this a lot, I re go through every story. In the moment, mm-hmm. I'm very like here listening and in present moment with you, but I'm also like good at kind of keeping myself together because obviously I don't want to be tr- triggered the per- other person. Um, but afterwards, mm-hmm. I sit in it and I kind of really absorb and kind of really go back to that. And again, like I told you earlier, like thinking about the feelings that you felt and the news that you heard and figuring out all this about your mom and your biological mom and your dad and you know, all these things is just, it was just like, bam, 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 bam. And that's a lot. It's so freaking heavy. And that's so hard. But then I look at you now and I'm like, holy shit, like you can't even, this girl's got it. Like she's, she's doing good. Like she's, you know, you're, you got a good job. Like you're, you're doing great considering everything that you've been through, like you wouldn't even know. So I just want you to know that you really are an example of bravery and I'm super proud to know you. Um, so thank you for sharing with us. So well, thank you so much for giving me the platform to share. So, of course. I appreciate anything you. else. Of course. Thank you so much. And do you have anything else that you would like to say to people that are listening? Um, I just want to say again, no one is alone in their feelings. Mm-hmm you're always going to find someone out there that feels the same way. Um, and it takes one person, you know, if you share your story and that resonates with one person like you with me, you know, I'm hoping that someone will hear my story and want to share. And then it just like, it's like the the ripple effect just keeps right. going. And, um, you know, and on days where I wake up like depressed before I used to like think like that was it, like that's how I'm going to feel forever. But now I wake up and I accept it that today's just not going to be a good day, but I know it's not going to last. So just know it's okay to not be okay. And don't beat yourself up too much that things will Mm -hmm. get better. Awesome. Uh, Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Again, please follow Michelle at baby be brave on Instagram. 
Um, and then also, of course, follow at Candle in a Dark Room. We have some great things coming, more guests coming this next season. So just stay tuned. If you have a story similar to, uh, to anything that has to do with trauma, please contact us through Instagram because your story needs to be told if you're ready and, if, you know, you never know whose life it could save. So thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you next time.